What have I learned after all this time? After all those sleepless nights? I'll tell you what I've learned. One thing, and one thing only. I fucking love Berlin! Welcome to a very special episode of um, Queer Horror Cult, and uh, no, it's not special because my cohort, Ariasini's not here. That would be really awful if that's why this was special. <laughs> no, um, it's special because I'm doing this from Berlin, where I was attending the Berlin Final, the Final Girls Berlin Film Fest, and um, with me in Berlin is uh, a great friend of mine who's also we've known each other through school through just general friendship through filmmaking so it was really great to go on this uh, trip with her but I'm sitting here with Aaron so hi guys okay so of course here we are on the queer horror cult and uh, what what does queer mean to you like how do you feel about that term or like do you do you identify with it uh, how do you understand it Alright, so yeah, I sure do identify with the term queer. Uh, I like it a lot. The term itself is, you know, a reclamation of the word when it was used in a disparaging way historically and probably even today yeah. by some people. But in the words of someone who says that they're queer, it's, a, it's an empowering term. You feel good saying it. So there's kind of two meanings to queer. You can use it just to mean homosexual, mm -hmm. but you can also use it to mean subversive in general. Mm -hmm. And so when it's used as a verb, you can you can queer lots of things. Mm -hmm. You can queer the genre of horror movies. You can queer, um, I don't know, you can queer the bank. Queer the bank. You can queer up cities. It just means to disturb shit, to rustle it up. Yeah, there's a, a good one that was that I heard in my uh, in gender studies class on queer theories and culture where I can't, I'm, I don't remember who I'm quoting exactly, but this isn't something that I made up. But it was, um, gay is who you fuck and queer is what you fuck up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So in one of the classes Lori and I took together, uh, which was queer lit, we were introduced to the concept of the good life, which is kind of a social ideal, which varies from depending on where you're from and what your social milieu is. But for most cultures, it's, you know, being heterosexual, having two kids, living whatever the social ideal is. And in most places, the social ideal is generally not a gay couple. So when I think of queer, I always think of that, that good life and how queer people, they resist it. For a long time, you know, a, part, a big part of the good life was having children and, you know, some queer couples didn't have children. Like Lee Edelman, this, um, this theorist who is really difficult to understand, <laughs> had this whole theory that, you know, some queer people 
by not having children, they were resisting, like, the good life and the dominant narrative. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. It's always weird because, you know, it's weird to think about because so many queer folks do have kids. Yeah. But um, but even that seems like a subversion of the, the good life because it's uh, deconstructing, like, the nor- heteronormative pairing that usually mm-hmm. makes up the good life. Yeah. So for me, being queer is... It is about being gay, <laughs> yeah. but it is also just about being authentically yourself and saying fuck you to society and yeah. not trying to, um, not being complicit or, or being part of what society wants you to be. Just being weird as shit all the time. Like so that. yeah, I'm definitely weird as shit all, all the, the time. time. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a, that's a good response. That was, um. Yeah, it's I'm having flashbacks to that class now. I haven't thought about Edelman in a while. Oh so, yeah? yeah, yeah, very dense stuff. Very dense. Oh my god, guys! If you want to, well, I don't know. Why would you even want to read homographies? Is yeah. there any reason you would want to read that? Um, it's on the syllabus, and I'll get good <laughs> marks if I do. Yeah, never mind. I was gonna suggest <laughs> you read that, but just don't. Just don't. Because didn't we read a paper about that paper? Because that paper is so dense that there was a paper about the paper. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think so. And yeah. it had memes and stuff, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, but we're not just a queer por- a podcast. Uh, and not saying that these are two uh, discrete categories. We th- like to think of them very much together. But let's also talk about horror. Uh, what's your experience with horror? Yeah. So basically, when I grew up... I um I didn't actually watch a lot of television. My parents didn't put it on much. We didn't we didn't go to movies very often, that sort of thing, which is actually kind of odd as a kid because in some ways movies and television tell you how to socialize and be in the world. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's also the root of my queerness is <laughs> not knowing how to socialize properly for a long time until I saw some stupid Disney television shows which, <laughs> with Miley Cyrus in them that taught me what girls are like at this age. But at any rate, so what I would do is in, um, in high school, basically, I would go over to my friend's house, my friends who I love very much, and they would show me movies. Oh, yeah. And it was so great. Um, we'd just have these long nights, eating junk food, watching movies, and because, you know, it's your first time watching movies, they just blew my brain wide open. And, you know, at the same time, I was kind of developing a crush on Mm. one or two of those friends. Yeah. So, you know, puberty and horror movies are inextricably linked for me. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so then... One of the most formative movies I saw was the first Alien movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you've got this, you've got this gender ambiguous hero Ripley, and you just see her, like, like just surviving and rising to the top. Yeah. And I thought that was so incredible and something I wanted to be. So even today, you know, like a lot of times when things are are going difficultly in my life. I think, oh my god, it's like I'm walking down this long spaceship corridor, you know, it's industrial as hell, there's danger at every corner, 
it's melodramatic, but that's the sort of thing I think when I'm exhausted and super done by the routine of going to work or to school and stuff. I think this is exactly like that. <laughs> There's blood stains and fluorescent lights, and I am Ripley, and I am wearing my suit, and I will get this job done, and I will make it through. That's so. awesome. That is like the best self-affirmation technique I've ever heard of. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's so good. I guess I should mention Alien has also been therapeutic for me in more ways than one because I I do see a therapist, and you guys, you should definitely see therapists. Good to clean out your brain every now and get and again, give it a good wipe down. Um, and she's been talking to me about safe space visualization. So before you go to sleep, um, in order to actually fall asleep, you think of your very favorite place, the place where you feel most secure, and you imagine all of the smells, the tastes, the feelings, and I have to do this every night to get to bed to sort of quiet the anxiety, and my safe space is the escape pod at the end of <laughs> Alien. I love it. Which is so ironic, because of course that's not a safe space. No. I imagine being there without the alien in it. <laughs> yeah, the alien's already been blasted out into space, and you just calm. Yeah, but it is it is very calming, you know, You're because there's also, you do um, like tension release exercises, where you tense up and then relax your muscles. Mm -hmm. So every time I do my safe space visualization, I think, oh, you know... My, my feet are tense. I've just been running through this, through this spaceship, you know, while the counter counts down because I haven't been able to cancel the self-destruct in time. <laughs> and okay, now my, my uh, calves are tense and now my thighs are tense and now I'm relaxing all these body parts. And now I'm just in a black vacuum in this womb-like metal cradle and everything is okay. And so, yeah, if you're feeling really anxious, imagine yourself in space. That works for me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I wasn't expecting so involved in answer. That's really good. I like that. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I also wonder if, because puberty and horror are linked to me, if there is something sexual about an image of a woman covered in blood for me. Um, yeah, I am not shy about sharing this, but I sometimes wonder if there's something fetishistic about how much I love that kind of image. Or if it's, again, I just like seeing the representation of trauma because yeah. it kind of makes me feel better about my, my own feelings, and so it feels cathartic to see a woman screaming while covered in blood. You know, I think, mm -hmm. yes, that is how I feel right now. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. Do you have, like, a favorite kind of horror movie or, like, subgenre, any particular? Like, yeah, I guess you talked about Alien a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, maybe scratch this question because you kind no, of just answered it. I want to answer it. You got it. an answer? Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, we talked about sci-fi horror, of course. Mm -hmm. But what I really like is survival horror. Okay. So I find there's this really interesting tension in horror movies because ostensibly, stereotypically, they're all about death and yeah. dying. But because they're about that, they're also really life-embracing movies. Right. They're also about survival and defeating the odds. So anything that features a resourceful protagonist, um, you know, what's the one with Aaron again, who goes You're to the next. mansion? You're next. That was a great one. Anything that features resourcefulness, I am incredibly inspired by. Cool. And actually, this film festival that we're seeing uh, it's given me a few survival tips. 
which I will try to share with you guys, I guess, as they come up. <laughs> That's but yeah, awesome. so survival horror is my big one. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. So it's going back to looping back to queer subject matter. Um, do you think that horror is queer or, and, and or uh, why do you think queer people love horror so much? Um, of course, I'm not saying blanket everyone who's queer loves horror, but like all my queer friends love horror. Yeah, and we did talk to a whole bunch of queer folks here in Germany who didn't love horror. Yeah. One woman even said, oh, lesbians don't like horror. Our lives are already horror. Yeah. Which was really interesting because that's the reason why I do like horror. Yeah. It's because my life does feel like horror a lot of the time. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, queer people probably love horror because it's campy as hell, mm. usually. And also, um, for, for me, it, it does boil down to, to trauma and to catharsis. Okay. And there's a chance that queer people have experienced more trauma than the average person. Right. Well, then, you know, whatever, cisgender, heterosexual folks. Okay, which mean there's an extra little uh, avenue or intersection there where trauma yeah. plays more often. Yeah. So there's that. And then, you know, it's already been mentioned, but body horror is a pretty real thing for mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's not just a genre. Body horror is like life for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah. In horror, do you have a queer root that you can trace back? Like, was there something? It would, would it be Ripley in Alien that you could point to, like, having feelings about maybe? Like, maybe you didn't know what those feelings were yet, but just, like, queer feelings that you had to unpack. Mm. Actually, I think I was immediately horny for Ripley. Yeah, Ripley. No unpacking necessary. No unpacking, okay. I'm just like, damn, Ripley... Danny's just brought a carry-on bag. You don't I, need to pack. I want to be your cat. I want <laughs> you to run all over the spaceship screaming. What's the cat's name? Again? Jonesy. 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 I'll be like, yes, we're playing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, um, it's it's really interesting because at the end of Alien, you know, it's the movie starts with everyone in their underwear waking up, and then the movie bookends it and ends with Ripley in her underwear, and... It's interesting because having her stripped down to her underwear might be kind of a sexist thing at the very end. Yeah. But it also is just a good film tool. It increases her vulnerability. But also, like, as a queer lady watching that, you're just like, wow, <laughs> this this content was made for me. This is a super horny moment right This now. is not for the male gaze. This is for the gaze of Aaron. You have to put yes. your fingers in you and be like, la la la, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Yeah. The gaze gaze. The, I love the yeah. gaze gaze. I want gaze. knuckle pats that say gaze gaze. So yeah, that was a big thing for me. Um, the Descent. I have a lot of queer mm. feelings about The Descent for sure. If you guys... I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but there's one part in The Descent where Sarah, the main character, she um, she falls into a giant pool of blood, mm. and then she's trying to get out of it, but then she... Mm, it is kind of spoilery. At any rate, she does what she needs to do to survive, which includes submerging in that pool of blood, staying there, and then silently creeping out of it. And it's just a wonderful moment of doing something absolutely horrible, 
in order to make it and not being distressed about it, but being strong and determined and mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's a that's a fucking great movie and a great moment in the movie too. You know, and there might be something pretty um I don't know, lesbian or heterosexual or woman loving about that moment. Just yeah. the imagery of a of someone falling into a pool of blood, it might be kind of a yonic menstrual imagery. <laughs> right, right. On. And the descent is about caves. Like Caves are pretty fucking yonic, guys. So you go down the caves, and then what do you find? You find a pool of blood. And you go for a swim. I, I absolutely love this reading of the descent. <laughs> That's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Well, it is super awesome to have you here on the podcast Thanks. and also here in Berlin. Yes! Which to the next point. We're in Berlin. We're this sitting is... in a hotel room. There's sun. Sun is hitting our faces right now. Yeah, not to taunt uh, everyone back home too much, but I believe it's currently minus 30 in Edmonton. 38. Minus 38. Is what my sister said. And yeah. uh, it's about three degrees and sunny. Guys, did you know in Berlin there's green stuff in the winter? Like, there's grass growing a little bit? It's nuts. It's fucking great. I love it. Cool. But yeah, that's why we're here. And we're here specifically because it is the Final Girls Berlin Film Festival. Woo-woo! Yeah, this is a... I had heard of them a little while ago, like within the past year kind of thing. Uh... When I or maybe when I first heard of Women in Horror Month is probably when it came up, and uh, yeah, it's a festival celebrating women behind the camera and depictions of women that are unique and subversive and cool in front of the camera and oftentimes both, and I just really think it's something that's necessary for the genre and for more cultural appreciation of the genre where it intersects with. Uh, femininity womanness and the other thing i love about this is this is a very inclusive festival they specifically say for women and non-binary filmmakers and it's great that they right off the bat outline like we're, we're taking an inclusive an inclusive approach to how we are dealing with gender in this way mm-hmm it's interesting because i was asking the festival directors about this like just because you have stuff produced and directed by women doesn't necessarily um like it doesn't mean that it, it's it might it's not going to be problematic yeah but things still tend to be a lot better when you have less privileged people like women making the movies right we saw a lot of cool movies about horrors that um like are are experienced by a lot of people yeah but not by the majority of the privileged white horror yeah. filmmakers. You know, we saw lots of really brutal stuff with rape. We saw one that um, kind of involved a horror specific to people who are picking bottles and are are poor. So there's just so many stories of so many fears and anxieties mm-hmm. that just don't get represented. Instead, we get a million slasher movies. Yeah. But there's a lot of fucking horror, and I'm just going to say it, the majority of the people who experience horror on a daily basis are those with the most intersections of yep. oppression, right? Yes. So they're the ones who need to be telling the stories. So seeing stories about women of color, about queer communities, about both at the same time, mm-hmm. stuff like that was really cool. There was a nice, nice range in this festival. It wasn't just 
yeah, women, full stop, and therefore it's cisgender, heterosexual, white women. Like, it didn't end there, which is awesome. I'm glad that it it actually thought of women in a not white feminist kind of way. Yeah, and of course, there's still room for, for way more films that explore, like, fatness and, and the yep. oppression related to that, and maybe even could have been more ability stuff. Mm-hmm. But this was a really, really diverse festival. Lots yeah. of really cool shit. Yeah, there's yeah, it feels like there's always more to do and I don't I think the festival uh, directors and like this festival in general would agree with that and they seem really committed to trying to actually like have that representation mm-hmm. within, which is really cool. Um, before we gas on too much longer about the festival, how about we go to an interview with festival directors Ellie and Sarah that uh, they granted us during the chaos on Saturday. Um so you can hear it in their own words. Okay, we're here at Final Girls Berlin Film Festival still. It's been a wild ride and pretty great. Um, we're actually sitting here with the uh, directors of the festival. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Sarah Nydorf, and I'm the co-director of Final Girls. And I'm Ellie Levy, also the co-director of Final Girls Berlin. And it's a it's really cool festival so far. We've, I guess, some questions. Uh, so what I want to know is if there has been a certain movie, or if you want to talk about the genre in general, and how it's actually affected your life. So, big question, yeah. She always has big questions. <laughs> um, uh, affected my life? Well, hmm. I guess I have that memory that I talk about a lot. Um, so when I was nine, I watched uh, Candyman uh, way too soon, and I really could not sleep for three months. Uh, alone at night <laughs> so uh, it's a little embarrassing but um, yeah and I just couldn't really I was fascinated by by the idea of being so you know obsessed or be just having it affect me so much um, and you know rather than kind of being scared away by it I was kind of attracted to it all the more so that's kind of what led my that was the beginning and for me it was when my mom showed me the film Rosemary's Baby when I was 12 and I just was in love with it from the beginning. But she had also been showing me horror movies before that that were more like um, B-movies, like campy B-horror from uh, Blockbuster. We would just kind of go and get everything off the shelves that had a ridiculous cover, and that was our, like... Ice Cream Man, we actually accidentally stole Ice Cream Man from a, from a video rental store when I was a kid, <laughs> which we happened to have uh, in our raffle this year. Uh, yeah, so I don't. it's just been like something that's been a part of my life forever that I've shared with my mom, and I can't even remember a time when I didn't like scary movies. That's really cool. Um, wh- what made you decide to turn this into like doing a festival yourself? I mean, uh, so we, we got connected through um, someone else that we knew, a mutual and friend. a mutual friend, and um, basically when we heard about the idea of a festival like this, we were like, this has to be ours, <laughs> like this has to be, I mean, co-ours, um, I feel like, and um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've always had the tendency to love recommending things to people and curating things for myself, and just like thinking in lists, thinking in categories, and sharing like I like sharing, you know, what I find with people, and uh, and obviously like feeling like there's a lack of this, a lack of uh, representation of women in, in horror and women in general in film and everywhere else. Um, you know, it just kind of lends itself to to that. So that's how I see it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, well, this isn't exactly answering your question, but Ellie and I met originally because I found her film blog online completely at random, and I had no idea that she even lived in the same city as I was reading her blog and her lists of uh, top ten most bizarre and disturbing films and so on. Top ten most emotionally devastating films. That was uh, word for word what I had Googled. <laughs> and, then, and then she had this great list, which included several of my favorite films. And there were also lots of horror lists. Uh, yeah, I think... It was a really wonderful stroke of luck that I was connected uh, to Lara, who had started the festival here through another filmmaker who she had um, programmed in the very first festival that we then also we took part in the first festival with her. So it was just it was really kind of a lucky streak that uh, this filmmaker said, "Hey, my friend Lara is making a festival. You should get in touch." And then I did, and I brought Ellie on, and um, yeah, we've been bonding over horror films since we first met. So it was a, it was an easy thing to do together. Yeah, that's really cool to hear too. Like, um, like I mentioned, it's been a lot of a fun, uh, fun festival so far, and I really have been enjoying that you are doing this focused on women and non-binary filmmakers because that is something that I know back home. There's what one women in a horror film festival. We thought there were none, but we got educated on that. So, um, yeah, Bloody Mary. Uh, um, have you found that there's been any sort of pushback? like you know any kind of pushback against being trying to do something that's could be seen as fem- feminist leaning or for your inclusivity project uh inclusivity uh what's the word i'm looking for being inclusive yeah i mean i wouldn't say that um Kind of, no. Uh, but what I would say is that there is definitely like a, a bigger horror scene than what you see here, you know, and I feel like a lot of people don't feel like they are welcome. Not welcome, sorry. Scratch that. <laughs> they are welcome. They don't welcome and us. They don't welcome us. And um, basically, yeah, they just like feel like it's not for them for some reason, you know, and they don't, it's kind of like made invisible in some way, which is really ridiculous. Um, so I think there is kind of this weird notion that this is something different than a normal horror film. Like it's, you know, and it's, it's like sure there's a special, yeah. We've tried to collaborate with the Fantasy Film Fest, which is a really big, I name like, them, oh, I don't mind, I don't mind naming them. They can, <laughs> I hope they hear, uh, they hear this. Um, maybe we'll get their attention. I mean, they're, they're like the big genre film fest in Berlin that sells tickets to a big multiplex, sells out screenings and I don't know, 500 seat theaters and so on. And, yeah, every time we've tried to reach out and do any kind of collaboration, we've just been completely ignored. And um, it's a good question why, right? I mean, why wouldn't they want to increase their female representation or queer representation yeah, I mean, last in their year program? Had, last year they had none, right? Yeah, in their, in yeah their they last had like practical. 70 films. And so it's really quite, one. they should be ashamed of themselves, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, and actually, nicely um, enough, that actually... One, that, that year, last year, uh, one person was like, am I reading this right? Are there no women in the filmmakers like in, the, in this roster? And they're like, no, you know, we don't, but we, it's not because we don't, you know, whatever. They, they just said, oh, there and, weren't and any like, that were good enough exactly, or something No, they're like just that. like, we don't see gender. We just see like the, you know, that whole spiel. And then uh, the, uh, the same person was like, well, if you need any help, here's the final girls Berlin Festival. So like, you know, it's nice that they kind of made that little jab at them. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. that. Someone else put, pointed them in our direction. Exactly. And there was also another kind small cynical, um, yeah. horror film fest that happened around here, and we won't name that one, but 
the director of that particular film fest made some violent threats towards us yeah. because he was uh, not welcome here um, from having basically sexually harassed several people on our team at different events. And then when we barred, barred him from our event, he threatened uh, to come here and be violent towards us. And we had to like get a security person at our first festival. So that was... That's uh, true. An unfortunate thing to have to think about and worry about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that. So this is not. Uh, yeah, we didn't have any problems yeah. with turps, but we've had problems with assholes. Uh, yeah, sexist assholes, and whether it be getting ignored or getting violently threatened. <laughs> yeah. 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 But overall, the people who come here, you know, no, I wouldn't say they 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 don't react that way. No, we have a great yeah. audience. Yeah, Everybody we have a great audience. Who attends is super engaged. Like. Yeah. There are great conversations happening. We get lots of feedback. Yeah. You know, good and constructive, you know, critical as well. But nothing, uh, yeah, nothing to cause concern. (laughs) Well, that's very heavy. Um, I don't know that I was expecting something so heavy, but yikes. Uh, Because I I have to wonder how well this would this would uh, go over back home like I think there'd be a large strong uh, audience that would love it but there'd probably be a fair chunk of backlash too so yeah who knows yeah yeah Bloody Mary could um, I wonder how they've had how they fared um, and then I guess uh, one last big question is um, do you feel there's something queer about <laughs> horror or why is it important for there to be queer representation in the genre Sure. <laughs> yes, I think horror has a lot of potential to be queer because a lot of it is about bodies, um, the boundaries of bodies being blurred and put under scrutiny or being becoming ambiguous in some way, like whether it be, you know, I mean, you can you can read all kinds of body horror as having having to do with like deconstructing what what a body can be, and that can also be applied to gender and sexuality as well and like the ways that bodies can be yeah the ways that they can act the ways that they can act upon each other penetrability versus you know all these things um yeah you can find a lot of queer readings uh in horror and that's just one that's like one tiny facet of queerness in horror but yeah i think that we need to also have more like you know, male victims and f- female perpetrators and horror <laughs> to, to mess with that balance. Yeah, we like yeah. to show those at this. <laughs> when, we, when we get submissions that are just like women being uh, having violence done onto them, we're usually like, no, we're not interested. There needs to be something more to it. There needs to be uh, some kind of a twist and some kind of a queering happening to the genre. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah, I mean, I think you're kind of. S- said it well I don't really um, but it, yeah I, <clears throat> I think it's just a way of all, I mean horror is a way to deal with many different kinds of um, just whatever's happening in the world whatever's happening in society and, and this is a very big aspect of it and I feel like uh, yeah just like anything else it's, it's it has a place for sure and it, it has a history of it too like you know uh, Hellraiser and uh, you know even before like what's it called uh, that vamp- the vampire novel from back in the day you know, uh, the, the Hunger is a queer the one. The Hunger. I'm talking about a book, though. The um, one? No, no, no. This is like Lucilla. No, no. Oh, Camilla. Camilla. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, there's just like a, a large like archive of things that actually have to do with the, that intersection of queer identity and horror. So, yeah, it's very fertile ground for sure. Cool. Cool. Yeah. 
thank you so much for taking some time out of your very very busy day to talk to us um if you wanted to did you want to plug anything that you got going on uh, otherwise like we like to travel with our programs as well whether it be in person or just with the films themselves so if anybody was interested in what we said today then you can also get in touch with us on facebook or at finalgirlsfilmfest at gmail.com and we can probably facebook twitter and instagram yeah there's twitter and instagram too um and we can send films we can organize screenings remotely um so I would want to plug that, yeah. yeah <laughs> Anything yeah. from you? Uh, I mean, I guess submissions will probably be open again, like, late, later this month in February. So, you know, all the filmmakers listening, you know, send it all over. Film Freeway. Um, film Freeway, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of the most relevant yeah. one. Yeah. And just email submission works, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I play in some bands. Want to hear what those are called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find Coral Hearse at coralhearse.bandcamp.com. That's C-H-O-R-A-L. H-E-A-R-S-E. Um, I also play in the band called Mellow Death, which is also on Bandcamp at mellowdeath1.bandcamp.com. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, too. Yeah, those are the two I'll, I'll, pl- I'll hook. I mean, what's the word? Plug. <laughs> Hooking. I'll, I'll dig a hook into you with those. Uh, well, I guess the only thing I might have is uh, a, podcast, a podcast, actually, uh, called The Bend. The Bend Podcast uh, on SoundCloud and iTunes and other places, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> cool, those are some uh, great plugs. So thank you both for being here once again. One thing we like to do on our podcast to to close out anything is we like to give a film recommendation to any listeners. Do you have any recommendations for something like maybe related to women creating film, women in film, queer film, Berlin film, like anything? I would say yeah. In My Skin is something that we showed uh, a few years ago, and I don't think it's seen enough, and it's that, speaking of body horror, it's uh, Marina Devan, I believe is her name. Um, actually, I'm, yeah, uh, she has a new film out at uh, Rotterdam now, but it's not a horror film. Anyway, um, yeah, I would I recommend, recommend that one. Excision. It's not made by a woman, but it's starring a really unusual female protagonist. We like Excision. <laughs> yeah, so see that. Who is the director of that? Like uh, somebody Bates Jr., Richard Bates Jr.? Yeah. Oh, another thing we, we also do together is Women on the Verge, which is another uh, film, series. film series in Berlin. Usually but if people on a are in basis. Berlin, um, it's basically, as the name maybe suggests, it's um, films of women on some kind of verge of something. Prob- some kind of transitional, transitional. transgressive yeah. stage. Yeah, it's not necessarily horror only, of course. Yeah. Um, that's happening in Berlin. Cool. We've shown three women. That's another film I'll recommend. Yeah, an excision, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. May? May, yeah. Oh, I yeah. love May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, recently covered May on an episode, and we did excision in our second episode. There you go. <laughs> we also showed Heavenly Creatures, which is yeah. vaguely horror. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, festival takes place over four days this year, and it is a really wonderful mix of short film blocks, feature films, panels, workshops, um, parties, because, I mean, it's Berlin. There's going to be parties. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty wild, and uh, we've gone ahead and recorded uh, recaps the morning after every morning, so 
think, what do you think? Should we just get into the recaps? Yeah, you guys are going to hear us get progressively tireder as the yes. festival continues. Yeah, we were staying up progressively later each night. It's like, oh, wow, it's just after midnight. Yeah. That's, oh, that's pretty good. I mean, we're jet lagged, but whatever. And then it's just like 4 a.m. Well, I guess we should go to bed. <laughs> you guys are going to hear all about the awesome talks. And so a little bit of critical analysis of, of some stuff. And just all about our, our favorite nasty shit. Yeah, so um, enjoy, I guess. So, um, we're here in Berlin, and we have just, <laughs> last night was the first day of the festival. Day one! Yeah, January 31st. That, that was a lot of fun. I, I'm guessing you had fun with it, too. Hell yeah. It cool. is awesome. Go to Berlin. Or be in Berlin, if you guys already live in Berlin. Just yeah. continue to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, the best advice you could give anyone, because Berlin's pretty cool. And... Yeah, one thing that surprised me was that the festival is run entirely by expats from other parts of the world. Yeah! Yeah, like, I know Berlin has a lot of people from all over living in it. Uh, it's very, like, a multinational kind of city, but... Yeah, totally! Uh, I don't know, it was just like, it was like, okay, that's... wow! Yeah, so last night we went to the mixer, mm -hmm. and it was a pretty small, intimate affair. We were one of the first people who arrived, mm -hmm. and I, well, we both kind of introduced us, but I think I was kind of the main aggressive person That's why I like it. going to these things with you, <laughs> you'll always go to like, hi, let's talk. Yeah, shake my hand. I have yeah. a firm handshake, firm yeah. business grip. My name is Aaron. Um, but... Yeah, I guess I didn't mention that we were filmmakers and <laughs> not either, just so. randos there, which led to a couple of awkward moments. But one of the things I said, which I think kind of nonplussed one of the organizers, was I had been looking through the brochure and, you know, there's all of these movies and shorts from all over the place, from Canada and Denmark and a, a whole load from the US and Australia. But there, there's only a couple, no, I think there's only one, okay, one or two, let's hedge my bets, one or two German shorts. So I kind of asked, um, why is there no German content on here? Where's all the German content? <laughs> I think the organizer, now I forget their name, but they're really cool. They're in a metal band here in Germany called Coral Hearse. That Check them been, out. Uh, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. Uh, yeah, I think she was a little um, nonplussed to uh, hear me demanding this. So anyways, yeah, very diverse film festival, at least fairly diverse, just as Berlin is a diverse city. It is a city of wind farms and bikes. So many and bikes. Probably dikes, which I say, <laughs> just because we visited, you know, kind of like the queer district yesterday. And it's a city of danger because... Yesterday, I stood in a bike lane and had my life saved by Lori, so... That happened. I had to pay it forward, because that's what happened on my first day in Berlin, the first time I was here, just standing there and then get the, watch out, I'm like, watch out for what? Just not paying attention, <laughs> have to get yanked out of the lane. So yeah, Berlin, a city of danger, 
and it's so much better than Edmonton. Ooh, so much shots better. Fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Lori? What surprises you most about the city? I am it usually takes me a long time to warm up to new places when when I go. Um like I'm a bit of a homebody in a lot of ways, so I find I'll go somewhere new and just be like, I don't know about this. At first, it takes me a while, but no, I fell in love with this place instantly. This and Rome were the two places I've been that just, it was instant, like, well, I could live here. Mm -hmm. But this isn't just a travel podcast. We're also a horror podcast. So um, (laughs) the festival, after the mixer... It, uh, we went to the theater a couple blocks away and we started with, uh, well, first we started by hitting up the merch table, got some great shirts and, um, totes all emblazoned with the Final Girls Berlin Film Festival, uh, art on it. That's just fantastic. The drawings of Gulia, their, uh, mascot. Um, they, uh, then they started a short film reel. Uh, what was the short film reel? The first one, do you remember? Tainted Love. <laughs> right, Tainted Love, exactly like the song. So, yeah, they've organized their short blocks around uh, themes. So the first one, Tainted Love, they're all twisted sort of love stories and moments. There were some definite standouts in this in this block. Uh, I enjoyed it overall, for sure. Uh, but, oh my goodness, uh, one of the ones in particular that I want to mention is uh, Sell Your Body. From the U.S., mm-hmm. written and directed by Janelle Yee, who was in attendance. That was really cool seeing the director, and uh, she did a brief Q and A after the movie. Um, but oh, okay, this is a really funny short. If you have a chance to see Sell Your Body, I super recommend it. Yeah, it's in a mockumentary format. Yeah, which I mean, some of my favorite horror movies. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Oh, I love Behind the Mask. That one's a mockumentary. Of course, What We Do in the Shadows is a mockumentary. Mm-hmm. It's just a great format for horror, I yeah. guess. Like, she even pointed out, it's one of those formats that she said, like, watching What We Do in the Shadows, I bet that was a lot of fun to make. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you can kind of get that vibe off of them. Yeah, so that one was definitely awesome. And did you like any others, Laura? Uh, another one that really stood out to me was Supine from Czech Republic, I think. Mm, yes. Yes. Slash Canada. Czech Republic slash Canada. Yes. Cool. <laughs> that one was. I really liked how it was shot. Like it. It felt like it could have been a feature if they expanded on the idea and went more with it, but they kept it nice and contained, which worked really well mm-hmm. for the the premise. Because I say it could have been a feature, but how many times have shorts been made into features? And it's like, well, that became a meandering mess. Hmm. What about yourself? Anything else you in particular want to give a shout out to? You know, I'm pretty much the same. I was, um, you know, I was happy with the amount of blood and gay shit we got to see. Especially, I don't know if this is a spoilery, if this is spoilery, but especially an instinct. Yeah, that I was, was, I was pleased to see some uh, some gayness. And oh, oh, there was a recurrent theme between these movies. Oh yeah, that you picked up on. Yes. It, it, yeah, it took a lot of my, my analytical brain to discover the recurring motif, which was death by plastic bag. Yeah, a we lot of We witnessed three people die via plastic bag out of, well, seven shorts? I guess that doesn't no, seem no, like... six shorts, so six it shorts? was half. No, there's one, it's definitely seven. No, one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, guys, Lori's good at math. <laughs> Another thing... It's my secret shame. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe that doesn't seem like that much, but it felt like a lot. 
Well, when half of the almost half of the deaths that we witnessed in the short block were plastic bag related. So the moral is seriously heed those warnings on the plastic bags. Yes. You will yeah, die. They're not toys. Yeah, no, definitely not, especially in the hands of murderers mm. or puppet masters or whatever else we saw. It was going on with plastic bags. Yeah. Anyways, after that we got to see Nancy. Okay, so Nancy, uh Wow, what a what did you say at the end of this? Like you called it a feel bad movie or something? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of darkness to this. Um one thing I loved about it was how anxious I felt this movie was. Yeah. Like it, it was really affecting in that way for me. In that I could feel feel like there's a palpable sense of anxiety between the um, interactions. You could just sort of feel it watching it because I feel like the performances were were pretty good for the most part. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and uh, it also had Steve... Oh, my gosh. Buscemi. Buscemi? I think I'm saying that right. If, uh, if I'm saying it wrong, Arya, you can beat me up later because... Okay. <laughs> yes. Because Buscemi is an Italian name? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so it was... And starring Andrea Riseborough from uh, Mandy. Mandy and Nancy. <gasps> really? Maybe yeah. that's why I kept calling it Mandy the whole That is exactly night. why I kept calling it Mandy. Wow. Yeah, she was Mandy in Mandy. Yeah, but I know uh, for this night, the, the one that seemed to really get your goat was uh, the next movie that followed up. Yeah. Um, as Boas Manieras, <laughs> Good Manners... Yeah, if you guys can see Good Manners, you really should. You will not regret it. It is so beautifully shot. It's got such a good story. It's weirdly touching. What did you think of it? I thought it was hilarious in the right ways at times. Like, it's not a comedy, but it has comedic moments that just really hit perfectly. Um, but... I don't know if I could say this is a complaint or not, because it doesn't. It didn't really detract from it, but it did feel like two movies stuck together in my mind. Mm. Like I think it said, it felt like we watched Good Manners and then the sequel, Good Manners Two, like immediately after. And there's this sort of uh, like the the there's a big shift in the middle. I don't really want to get into what that is so yeah. much, but it was interesting. It kind of threw me for a loop for a little bit. But then uh, once, you know, like, it was like, okay, so I see what we're doing here. It's like, you know, right back into the movie. Um, so I'm not even sure that that's a criticism so much as a, a note. It was surprising to me to see how the plot played out in this one. Yeah, if um, you come from a Western audience, there will probably be a part in the movie where you think, oh, this is the end. I know this because I know the rhythms of all the other yeah. horror movies I've ever seen. And it is two hours long, so, you know, it is pretty long, but I was thrilled that it kept going. I think it is refreshing the way that they take that unusual track, because like you're saying, if you're used to the common sort of Western audience horror movie, like North American horror, it did feel like a logical concluding point, and then it's like, nope, movie's not over, we got more to to dive through. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point, that it's just... It's different enough that if if for nothing else, this is such a... Well, I think what the organizers like describe it as just being a very unique kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, do you think I could give them a taste of good manners? As in, I can read some of the blurb, or I can just 
say like subject headings for what was going on. No, be poetic with it. Okay. I want to hear what you think of this. Good manners. Uh, Brazil. Class relations. Beautiful, sexy actresses. Mm, motherhood. Mm, dancing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be it. I would say sexy ladies set in Brazil, class system, motherhood, feel good movie-ish. And uh, that, that sums up the uh, first day of the festival. Um, we're on to day two today, so I guess tomorrow morning we'll check in. It'll probably be a bit of a briefer check-in because I know that we're not going to be around for as much of the festival mm -hmm. today. But yeah, I guess until then. I guess, well, I wish we could bring you all with us. Yes. You know, so you could all Every hang out with us you. in Berlin, watch the film festival. But we'll just tell you how it is and make you jealous instead. Okay, so day two. Day two. Day two's in the can. Yeah. It was pretty damn good. Yeah, um, this was probably our lightest day for stuff that we were doing, because fortunately we can't report back on every every single event from the festival, because we're not going to every single event, but we're going to the, the majority of them for sure. Yeah, basically a summary is that Cam and Messiah of Evil are great, but we didn't go see them again. Because yep. at least in the case of Lori, she's already seen them, and I've seen enough of Messiah of Evil on YouTube to be fully satisfied. Yeah. So. And seating's really limited, yeah. too. So as far as, like, being on the guest list goes and all that, um, it's like, yep, give up our seats to not be taking up space yeah. in movies that we've seen. So we, w we went and got dinner instead. <laughs> yeah. So again, see Cam. Lori on Ari already talked about how great Cam is, and it's on Netflix, so go see it. Would you recommend Messiah of Evil for anybody? If you're a fan of just 70s weirdness, it is a great watch. It is it is 70s weirdness. It's like the definitive what the fuck am I seeing kind of movie. It's so scattershot in its plot and yeah. everything that's happening. But um, there's something endearing about that. So if you know, like if you like this sort of 70s weirdness in movies and you like the cult film appeal, it's a cool watch. But it's uh, it's very divisive, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know that a lot of... Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that it's like one of the worst movies they've seen, and I've heard a lot of people say it's one of their favorite sort of cult flicks. Okay, so that's um, what hasn't come up yet and what we didn't see, but what did we do yesterday? We went to a talk! It was so exciting! Okay, and this is not directly related to a talk, but this was the experience going into the talk. We go into this room, this teeny tiny room from this like printing company. Yeah, this like indie printing collective or yeah, something. What's yeah. It, what's it called? Printing with fabric. You guys know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, it's this place called uh, Vetomat. Yes, yeah, screen something. Anyways, and it's full to the brim with hip Germans. Hip as fuck Germans. And we walk in and. There aren't many chairs, but I see this lone bench, okay? So I'm like, cool, I'm going to sit on that. And I see some drinks on one end, so I don't sit there. I, I sit, sit on, on the, the other end. end. And I sit on the end that is unsupported. 
um, by, I guess, the, the bench legs, and the bench legs fulcrum up, and the whole thing levers into the air under my weight, and the drinks go flying, except miraculously don't spill, so yeah, that yeah, was... Someone catching them, yeah. like someone with very good reflexes, yeah. just snatching those out of the air. It was amazing. Um, yeah, and then the talk, I thought it was great. How about you? I thought it was really cool, too. It was, um, do you have the name handy of what the talk was? Hell yeah. Hysteria and Demonic Possession, a Psychoanalytic Investigation by Mary Wilde, who is a British lady. Well, I don't know if she's a British lady, but she, uh... Comes she from. lectures, yeah, at the Freud Museum in London. Yeah. So this was talking about, like, possession movies in terms of the old school, like, hysteria in women where, oh, your your womb is wandering through your body, making you irrational and crazy, and now your body's, like, rebelling against the patriarchy. And uh, it was wild. Like, um... It was Mary Wild. Oh, <laughs> but um... um <laughs> Um, yeah, because uh, there were some cool clips. I think one of my favorite things was how it was connected up to the movie Possession um, with the uh, famous subway train scene. And I get, like, that's probably one of the more obvious choices mm-hmm. of the bunch. Like, that one, you know, it's pretty plain reading that that is a depiction of hysteria, but uh, I thought it was such a great depiction of hysteria and and how that's often thought of in I guess uh not so much in movies because it was done as a demonic possession but this one I guess was the more literal translation Hmm. I'd say because the it is about her their relationship crumbling and her sort of psychosis that spirals out of that Mm mm-hmm yeah so basically the big connection that Mary Wilde was drawing attention to um was that there's supposed to be these four stages of hysteria, and if you're listening to this, in the you know, and you know it has queer in the title, you probably know hysteria is fake as shit, mm-hmm. and was just something a lot of uh, psychoanalytic dudes. It's just basically them diagnosing, you know, being a woman, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Or I mean, some of the women they were looking at might have had different things that we call mental disorders today. But anyways, so basically the four stages of hysteria, which include, like, acrobatics and passionate emotions and other things, they line up really nicely with demonic possession and the representation of that in movies. Um, So yeah, so basically possession is really explicit about that link, Mm -hmm. about her being possessed by it. So it was kind of cool, you know, like Mary Wilde was talking about how, um, you know, when you say you have demons, you're saying you have problems, and the psychoanalyst is kind of like an exerciser of your demons, and talk therapy itself is kind of like a seance, which is cool. Yeah, that was was a cool uh, bridge she drew, because she started out talking a lot about uh, psychoanalysis, and then brought in the horror movie equivalency. Yeah. And, you know, I go see a therapist, but I've never thought of myself as, like, you know, Reagan going to see an exerciser. But I think I'm going to keep that in my mind now. So, yeah, it did also get me thinking, and I know this is fucking up the metaphor, you know, of, of the demons being your problems. But what if in seances we actually tried to do talk therapy for demons? 
Oh my God, I want to see this movie. I know. You know, you can be like, are you getting enough sleep? (laughs) Is that why you're, you know, terrorizing us? Tell us about your traumatic experiences, stuff like that, you know? And then maybe you need to do some therapy for the demon. Turns out they're just hangry all the time. They can't get a good meal in the afterlife. Oh, they're just depressed. Yeah. If you think, like, existential ennui is bad when you're alive, try being dead. It's wild. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and then one other thing that she talked about is um, she was talking about the movies Paranormal Activity and I think it was... Possession and paranormal activity. She was talking about how these, some of those, those ones reflect this male fear of unbridled female sexuality and right. stuff. Um, you know, because in paranormal activity, uh, the dude Micah, I think, yeah, he's always filming his girlfriend and sort of trying to oh, control her in various ways. I forgot how fucking gross he oh is. My like God. I seen this once a long time ago. I forgot how fucking gross this dude is. Totally. Um, yeah, I was really hoping the demon would be, like, her, um, otherworldly savior and fuck him up. <laughs> that would have been good. I it's know. like a romantic comedy where, where <laughs> she's with the shitty boyfriend and then the, like, the charming demon comes into her life and it's a whirlwind romance <laughs> and then they just, like, eat his face and leave. Yeah. But, but okay, so what I want to know is, if we have any heterosexual male listeners, or if you know a heterosexual dude person... Okay, ask them, are you frightened of unbridled female sexuality? Because I kind of doubt that people are. I mean, I get it. Some women can reproduce and stuff, so maybe that's scary. Anyways, you can let, well, can they let you know, Lori? Yeah, sure. You can can, can Twitter us uh, at Queer Horror Cult about this. Um, Yeah, because I gotta know. Well, are, I know are you for, terrified? A, for a fact, we, we probably have some straight dude listeners because we have, going off the analytics on Instagram, we get bigger reaction from men than women on this podcast. Well, that's because you post things that make them think it's porn. Well, that <laughs> and was... And they find out it's critical theory, that was critical one analysis. Time. <laughs> that was one time, but you are absolutely right. We, we, we post not porn. Yes. And I think doing our uh, episode entirely about porn and sexploitation probably doesn't help matters. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well. we should talk about the movies. Yeah, okay, there were movies involved. We went to a short block. Today, today's the second short block, and the theme of it was obsessions. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, guys, we got to see, like, a claymation slasher movie. Oh, this was wild. What was it called? Dreams from the Ocean. It, to me, it was like watching a reel of Dario Argento movies out of clay. Like, with the Jello killer with the black gloves, the murderous implements, the wild color palette. Yeah, like, so if you want to, you know, have that experience in your life, the experience of watching a claymation slasher movie, go see that. Yeah, so you dug that one? Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, you know, I was already scared as soon as I saw the claymation um female protagonist i was like oh god oh god it's a claymation no (laughs) so uncanny what was your favorite one though what was the favorite was probably the first one singularity and as uh you pointed out being like a great thing about it was a, a trans woman playing a trans woman 
Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Jared Leto again or something like that? Mm-hmm. So was- if you had your own film festival, what award would you give this one? I would give this one best reason to have a tech-free zone in your house. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, the the takeaway lesson of this one is don't fuck with the internet. Yeah, don't fuck with the internet. It's about this um, trans woman. She's really, really... Well, the actress is really, really good. It's like a cyberpunk sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and she gets an implant. And the implant is the goddamn internet! Yeah. Don't fuck with the internet. The internet will fuck with you. Yeah. Back. So the horror so. kind of spells itself right there. Yeah. Um, what would you... Well, first off, what was your favorite short? Yeah, so it was also Singularity. Cool. And um, I would give it the Biohacker Authenticity Award. Nice. And guys, I mean, it's kind of sad, but it is just because a real trans woman played a trans character. Yeah. And I was like... Oh my god, this is so good! Yeah, this one was starring Jen Richards, who the entire time I'm thinking, Oh my god, why does she look so familiar? And then it's like, oh right, I follow her on Twitter. Yeah, Jen Richards, we love you! Yeah, so that was great. We love Um, your short. Mm -hmm. After this, we went and got dinner, and uh, then we went back to hang out and talk with people, and that was fun. Make friends. Yeah. Talk about robots. Yeah, we met some cool filmmakers. We met, um just general fans of the fest, too, and so it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the other activity we did before the festival, given that this is a queer horror podcast. Oh, yeah! Um, where did we go? Spin Bowden! Yeah, this is a big uh, lesbian archive of just books, literature, magazines, movies, uh, all kinds of stuff. Like, you got novels, you zines. got queer theory, zines, yeah. And the staff there was super lovely and accommodating, and, uh, yeah, that might be the high, the non-festival highlight of my trip so far. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? What, what would, did you really like about this place? Well, one cool thing is that you can touch the stuff. It's not one of those stuffy archives where you got to wear gloves and whatnot. And it's so comfortable. There's comfy coaches there. It's just a wonderful, wonderful place. I absolutely loved how uh, we were a bit pressed for time because we wanted to get to the festival, um, but they had video stuff. So we asked, can you put something short on? And their first offer was, would you like to watch lesbian porn? And we did. Well, Uh, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Talking for myself. That was great. Yeah, we didn't actually watch porn in an an archive, but that would have been nice. The opportunity was there, so maybe next trip to Berlin. Yeah. Maybe at a future iteration of Final Girls Fest, we'll come back and we will... uh, we will go watch lesbian porn. Yeah. And, you know, it's the future of archives. Porn archives. Where are they? I guess they're on the internet. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love the idea of going to one, you know, like ringing the buzzer. They let you through the big metal door. And there's comfy couches and tea and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, here's some porn. And you do need gloves for this. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, so I guess that's our day two wrap up. And, yeah. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun so far, are you? Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. So, we uh, completed day three of the festival, and that was a doozy of a day. Oh, man. It was so long. 
but good. Yeah, long in the best way <laughs> but possible. But really good. Yeah. We have the shorts program number three, which is social horror. Social horror was really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, we had to duck out early to get to... Because uh, a couple of the events are starting to overlap a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we had to duck out a bit early to get to the talk we wanted to go to. But we watched the majority of the shorts in there. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a personal favorite or like a general thing you loved about this block? I'll go with Knock Knock. Knock That's Knock a strong pick. It's definitely, if not my favorite, it's up there. It was fantastic. Yeah, I'll just give it the most chilling award, because it was, it was good to watch, but, um, you know, it's, it is about child abuse. Yeah. And it's done really, really well. Yeah. So, that alone makes it completely chilling. It's not super graphic, so it's not going to hurt your soul. Yeah, and you know, this one had a great protagonist. She wasn't really flawed in any way. She was just trying to help some kids. At any rate, yeah, you should go see it. This one is directed by Kaneki Jones-Jones from the U.S., and it's real good. Yeah, it was cool. Um, In that case, I'm going to pick Devil Woman Uh from Australia, um, because that, to me, felt like one of the first ones we saw that it was because a lot of the movies that we see they're really clever and uh they're cool spins on horror like it's a lot of the stuff we see isn't very traditional mm-hmm. and i think that's really awesome but devil woman felt more like a traditional straight ahead horror movie in like a really good way mm-hmm. um good sort of monster movie with some mayhem and carnage in there uh yeah i will give it Thank, thank God a Chainsaw finally showed up award. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the, the premise is that there's these people, I guess, protesting and some loggers kind of try to attack them so they can get to logging. So it was just really relevant to yeah. a lot of environmental mm-hmm. groups. <laughs> just because I forgot to mention, this was directed by Heidi Douglas and is from Australia. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was good, good stuff. So after that, we went to a talk. Uh, This was the second lecture we saw. This one was put on by Alison Lang from Toronto called Burn It to the Ground, Looking Back at the Problem of Intersectionality in 80s Slasher Films and the Way Forward. Mm -hmm. This was a really good talk. Yeah. So she she does an intersectional analysis on on these horror films and discovers some of them... um, are problematic, but she went through all of the ones that either have queer content or really good race content, like People Under the Stairs, um, and then looked for some ways that they were still problematic, still perpetuating cliches. Yeah, like where could you critique them for being problematic while at the same time there's still some subversiveness to them mm-hmm. that undermines like stereotypes that come up in these movies? Yeah. Um, was there anything in particular you learned from this talk that, like, a, a new way to look at a movie or anything that you hadn't quite considered? Yeah, she she brought up lots of amazing, just, details in the horror movies. I actually haven't seen too many of the ones she was talking about, just people under the stairs 
And I think that was all I'd seen before. Oh, well, my name, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, for right. sure. Yeah. Um, so, to be frank, the biggest realization for me was actually just that Slumber Party Massacre was written by a queer woman, directed, I believe, by, yeah, directed by a woman, and the queer woman who wrote the, uh, the script is named Rita Mae Brown. She wrote Ruby Fruit Jungle, which is classic mm-hmm. queer lit. But I thought, I know that name! I know that name! And you know why it is? Is because she writes a whole series of cat mysteries where cats solve crime. And it's a huge section in the library. So no wonder I've seen it before. So it was just so exciting to find out that she's a queer lady who wrote horror movies. That's, yeah, that's so good. How about you, Lori? What did you learn? Um, Jumping back onto the the last episode uh, where we talked about Slumber Party Massacre, um, there was, this came up in the talk and there was one little thing that I I don't think we talked about, but it was uh, really well stated. Um, where she, where the motivation of the killer, how parallel it runs to, like, abusive, like, domestic abuse, abusive partners, like, their reasoning, the sort of gaslighting that they do, um, just the, the way that he uh, talks to the woman about why he's, he's attacking them, and it's like, it takes a lot of love to do this, and, like, that kind of stuff, it's, um, those are just, like, gross talking points that you hear abusers say. Yeah. And, uh... She put it really clearly, um, yeah, no, Alison Lang, uh, um, but she wrote she... a book called Women with Guts, and, uh, came out two years ago now. Um, yeah, she's giving another talk today that we're gonna go see, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually starts in about an hour and a half or so, so we're gonna head on over to that when we're done with this recording. Yeah, just two more quick thoughts on Slumber Party Massacre. What was also cool was that she mentioned that the killer wasn't wearing a mask, which humanized him and made the abuse Mm -hmm. clear. And I've actually never, ever thought about the role that masks play and whether having a mask makes it easier for men to imagine themselves in a serial killer role, potentially. Yeah, and then she also mentioned that um, the killer was also wearing a Canadian tuxedo, which... I, that tickled me. I know. Did you guys get into that? I'm pretty sure podcast? that was the exact phrasing on the podcast Great. as okay. well. Then I won't... You know, yeah. Canadian t- tuxedo is, yeah. is a thing. Cool. Cool. So that was the talk. It was uh, really fun. And uh, right after the talk, we went straight back to the theater to catch the next shorts program. This was shorts program four, A Real Scream, Comedy Horror. So the first one, fittingly, is All Men Must Die. Right, right, right. I loved it! Yeah, it was really snappy banter between the characters. Yeah! This was uh, by Kate Beacom from the U.S. It felt really fashionable, and it felt like something we would make, I thought. Yeah, Did yeah. Did you get the same vibe? I, I get those vibes. Um, the way they they set up and played with the characters, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Just really, I don't know, modern, whimsical editing, really funny shit. Yeah. Go see it if you can. Directed by Kate Beacom in the U.S. So then the next one that, you know, I need to mention is Pink Trailer. Pink Trailer, yeah. I'm mentioning all the ones that are kind of about adolescent girls and their relationships yeah. with each other. There is a reason for that. I don't get to see that a lot in film. Yeah, that it's really cool when you see a movie or something that actually like sort of tackles 
yeah. that aspect of it. like I think that's part, a big part of why I responded so strongly to Tragedy Girls. Right. So. Yeah, I better see that. But it's just really nice to see authentic female teenage friendships where the girls are kind of weird and freaky or a little bit violent. Like it feels so relatable. Feels great. Mm-hmm. And then the last, oh, and Pink Trailer is written by Jenny Lieferman and directed by Mary Neely. And we did get to meet Mary Neely. So that yeah, was cool. she was there. It was uh, co written by Jenny Lieferman and Macy Isaacs. Yeah, and then the last one is, of course, Mouse. Maybe, Lori, maybe you should describe what was going on in Mouse. Mouse is grotesque in a way that just tickled me. Like, this hit that gross-out kind of horror in a way that I respond to really well. Like, it's almost like the uh, bodily fluid version of a splatter movie kind of thing, and just objection at every turn. I don't know if I want to say the the what it's about in case people can see this, but I think a warning would be good though. Yeah. Okay. So y- you go ahead. Okay. So basically, we got this couple. They're doing coke. Their relationship isn't good. They're low on cash. You know, they're very sweaty. <laughs> very sweaty. Very sweaty. And then the man is eating a can of beans, and he freaks out and runs away. It's a dead mouse inside the can. But his girlfriend is very canny, haha, and she realizes that they can maybe get some money from the company um, by telling them about it, and um, shenanigans ensue. Oh God! Very gross ones. The theater so good. Tell tell your story. um... Yeah. So guys. It wasn't just me, okay? Lots of audience members were dry gagging, not just me. But yeah, I was doing it quite a bit. Um, There might be something to do with eating a dead mouse in this one. Um, And yeah, the woman in front of me, I was chatting her up afterwards, making friends, and um, she was complaining about the hacking, and I had been sitting right behind her in the theater. So, of course, I admitted to her that it was me who was doing the hacking, or the the gagging, which I regret. Mm -hmm. I could have just slid through that interaction and been like, that's disgusting! Who couldn't keep their bile down? Ridiculous! Ridiculous. But no, I was like, oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> okay, so which one do you want to give an award to? Mm. It's gotta be Mouse. Okay, so we'll give awards to Mouse. Um, while you think of that, I'm going to give an award to Pink Trailer for best adaptation of a classic board game. Oh yeah, that was great. Guess who? Guess who. Oh, now I know how I'm going to be playing Guess Who from mm-hmm. now on. Do you have an award for Pink Trailer? Pinkest trailer. Yeah, pinkest trailer. That was a fun one. The trailer's set design is amazing, and the director revealed that there was no production design on the set because that was the trailer that they shot in. It was already like that. Lori, why don't you give most an award? Okay, I will give um, best final shot hard cut to end credits. Hmm. I just loved that little sting right at the end and then it just smacked to the credits and everyone was just gagging and grossed out i will give it most likely to make you puke i think that's a very apt award it is um and a bonus award to polyphilia for being best and most wholesome return of the plastic bag 
Oh my god, guys! I'm gonna talk about this real fast. Okay. You know, we've been seeing multiple murders by Paul by a plastic bag, and in this film, we did indeed see a couple more murders by plastic bag. Um, but we also saw, you know, some plastic bag love. We saw some love. It was touching. Yeah, one woman, one plastic bag, one glorious sex scene. I'll never forget. <laughs> Damn it, like, all of these deserve some, like, cred, I think, going yeah. through, like, another one I recommend seeing, uh, we won't really get into it, but if you can get it, get a, access to it or see it, see It's Stronger, it's, um, this, uh, it's spelled E-V-S-T-R-O-E-N-G-E-R, it's a play on, like, a Ikea-type furniture mishap. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny as hell. Yeah. Okay, so the next one we saw was a feature film that we were psyched for. It was yeah. Tigers Are Not Afraid. Oh, I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Why were you psyched for this, Lori? Um, I remember friends telling me about it. I'm pretty sure my friend Paige had seen it at Dead Fest mm-hmm. or had seen it somewhere and uh, came back to, to was like saying how amazing it was and uh, I wasn't able it wasn't released yet so I wasn't able to track down a copy so I didn't have an opportunity to see it, see it before uh, but after hearing how good it was and it's amazing mm-hmm. I thought it's like a really bleak sort of urbanscape fairy tale kind of thing set in Mexico and yeah, it's 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 hard to really get my thoughts on it because it was such an out there movie, but not in a way that was hard to follow. If you know what I mean. Right. Yeah, it's basically you know some kids who've banded together because they're orphans due to the drug wars in Mexico. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're surviving. Some of them are doing some magic. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it, it's very pertinent to society. I know the director, um, Isa Lopez, said that, like, you know, this was a very personal story because of this, how this is a, a problem in society mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, this isn't just a a dystopic future or something that we can put at arm's length and be like, wow, wow, what a horrible place, like, uh, circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is based on what reality is like for some people Mm -hmm. and uh just done in this really interestingly cinematic way yeah and another cool thing about this is the title tigers are not afraid um there is a tiger involved and they have a real life tiger on set which is great. great And we heard this hilarious story, you know, they got the real tiger on set, the actors are mostly children, um, and they were told by, I guess, the tiger trainer that it should be fine having a live tiger on set, that's no problem, you know, the tiger will be fine in the same room with a person, they won't try to eat them. And then when they were filming, the tiger uh, started getting up and walking towards one of the kids. And the tiger trainer said, oh, you didn't tell me that you were working with children. Yeah, tigers think that children are food. (laughs) So that was funny for us, um, mostly because none of the children actually died. Yeah, no, the children were fine. The tigers did not eat anyone. No. Um, yeah, we heard that story because, uh, the executive producer and the festival programmer who is, like, sending this out 
places um, they both attended because this is the end of uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid's run on the festival circuit. This was the last screening, so they were there in person. And they said that they felt pretty uh, honored to be doing that in Berlin at a festival about women in horror, like horror movies by women and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. It was totally wicked. Um, how many tigers do you have it out of five? Um, well, it feels mean to say, but at minimum four and a half, I would say. <laughs> but I don't like the idea of half a tiger. It's a baby tiger. Okay. No problem. Four tigers in a tiger cup. Good. Out of five. All right. Great. How about you? Uh, I will give this four and... A te- four tigers and a teenage tiger. Teenage tiger. Yeah, nice. go see this film if you want to see magic and grittiness and some really cool effects. Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing. A lot of digital effects in this, but it worked. It's Because I know that's a criticism of, of horror a lot of the time, that it's like, oh, I love practical effects over digital effects. This is one of those cases where I can't imagine they would have done it practically for the stuff that was done digitally and it wasn't it's not like when you see a a sequel to a movie that they did fine in makeup the first time that it's like we're just gonna needlessly do it in not very good digital Mm -hmm. effects like the effects are great and they they work really well for the story i thought Mm -hmm. yeah so that's a this is a nice shot against all the naysayers who say that there's never good visual effects like computer effects Mm -hmm. like and i'm one of those naysayers some of the time but Mm -hmm. no this was really nice to look at all right so then we got to see the midnight movies which you guys might remember Lori and ari's short film made it to this slot so we got to see it on the big screen and got to hear people laugh and sometimes exhale really strongly to release tension it was great yeah there was definitely a moment where the air got sucked out of the room and that was a that made me feel good inside you know or it's just like oh people are on the edge of their seats oh yeah yeah it was great just when the credits hit the end that nice audible (sighs) that like filled the auditorium by like a few people in the back row that made me feel so happy yeah yeah it was great you know about 35 people watched it so that's really good. Yeah, I'd say we got lots of positive feedback. I'd say because it, it was a fairly small theater, so I'd say the theater was probably about three quarters full. Yeah, I so did that, a head count. That's yeah, how I know that's about awesome. 35. But yeah, just uh, for reference, thirty-five in a at, at about seventy-five percent capacity of the theater, not thirty-five in like a multiplex with a thousand seats. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a little less. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, then we did a brief, brief Q&A after, Mm -hmm. so that was cool. But uh, this movie, the movie we made, uh, was not the only one in in this block, uh, though it was very, very cool to see my work up on the big screen, because that's a first for me as well, so yeah. Anyway, there were plenty of other shorts. Uh, What really spoke to you? Oh, I guess before we get into that, we should probably... uh, talk about eternity briefly because uh we made friends with a drag queen named jupiter yay who they were in this we love short. you jupiter yeah jupiter if you ever hear this somehow you're great yeah <laughs> um it was and directed by uh, pina brutal and it was like the only german 
movie, pretty much. It was one of the only things that was actually... No, it was the only thing made in Berlin, that's what they said, for the entire festival. And we love you, Director Pina. You're really fun. You're very fun. Fun fact about Eternity um, is it made it into both this horror festival and into a porn festival. So this one is operating in multiple genres. Yeah, this was definitely the most sex-charged of anything we've seen so far. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, it was it was great fun. So definite shout-out to Eternity. I quite enjoyed the sort of... Argento lighting, like the color palettes and stuff. But yeah, so um, what else really struck a fancy with you? So I got a shout out Hairwolf, which was directed oh. by Mariana Diallo in the US. Yeah, this Hairwolf. was great. This was so fucking good. So oh. good. I'll tell you just one joke, and that's that it's set in a hair salon, and these white women keep coming up to the hair salon and whispering, Right. Yeah, it's doing like a play on the whole zombie movie thing with like gentrification. It was mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, and I liked that it took a very unabashed approach to like, you know, the way that white people kind of like fuck up black culture and like try to appropriate it in that sort of thing. I like that they, you know, that like it doesn't pull punches. It's, it's just fun and that's awesome. Yeah, so... I give it the award for most hilarious slash terrifying representation of gentrification. Good award, good award. I'm going to give it um, best if Brooklyn was the cyberpunk dystopia of of many movies I want to (laughs) see. Because it just had that look to it, that sort of like futurism almost. Totally. It was really cool. The outfits were fucking awesome yeah if you like fashion like janelle monet you want to see some really cool black hair yeah go see Hairwolf. it was very very good um another one that i think is interesting to 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 talk about for sure would be uh call girl this one was i didn't know what to expect but it's it it's set up it's directed by jill givarguzian who i believe had other work at this festival as well from the U.S., and it takes the form of, like, a single, like, it's not actually a single take, but it's ostensibly set up, like, from a webcam feed from one angle, just one shot kind of thing, mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, got some twists and turns in there, and it, one thing that really stuck out to me, and I guess I'll give it this award, is Most Surprising Cast, because it has um, Tristan Risk, in it, who is great, the lovely Tristan Risk, um, from American Mary Fame and a billion other awesome things, as well as um, the dude from Human Centipede 2. And uh, I was not expecting to see either of their faces so much. Well, I guess Tristan Risk less so, because less this was her second appearance in this block of shorts alone. But yeah, so I'll give it most surprising cast. I suppose I'll also give it... Um like a a note or a certificate or something for just being tightly plotted surprises around every corner very yeah. fun yeah for such a basic setup and premise it's uh it goes places and that was our whole day one movie one talk two rounds of shorts one party yeah yeah, yeah at the very end we briefly stayed over at the after party but 
you know, realizing that we had to be up and do this and then get off to the festival and all that and get another day in us, we realized, okay, it's like 3 a.m., time mm-hmm. to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we love you guys. We're going to do more cool shit today. Yep, and we will get back to you tomorrow, um, as well as do a final wrap-up of our thoughts of the festival, stay in Berlin, and all that fun, fun jazz. Hell yeah! Okay, we made it. It is Monday morning, or Monday afternoon, I guess, we've slept in and had a slow start but oh yeah it is uh monday day after the festival we had the last day yesterday yeah how you feeling about it being over uh mixed feelings because i don't know if i could have handled another day given how exhausted i am but at the same time i'm really sad there isn't another day because it's like getting up and it's like oh we don't have more festival stuff to do Mm -hmm. because it was a lot of fun all the way through Mm -hmm. how about yourself uh, I'm ready to go back to Canada. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Ready to follow up on, like, what, the hundreds of recommendations we got for new podcasts, movies, books to read. Right. Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. And I'm so ready for us to make more movies. Oh, if there was anything about this that I loved the most, maybe it was how invigorating it was mm-hmm. to just sort of... Time to get back at it, because this was amazing. It was It was so inspiring to meet all the other directors, yeah. and I really feel that the the creators, the, direct, the festival directors, Sarah and Ellie, yeah. they really supported us. That was amazing. I, my hat is off to them, because I have not... I, I was, you know, like, from our communication, they seemed, like, perfectly nice pleasant lovely people Mm -hmm. and like it was going to be good but they really pulled out the stops on uh how they treated their guests like us being up among those guests and that was fantastic yeah yeah everyone was so nice in berlin it's incredible yeah shout out also to han and jupiter our new (sighs) berlin queerdo friends (laughs) shout out to them indeed yes oh that was just some good times with no them. kidding yeah. well before we get to um to maudlin and uh into general feelings how about we talk about what we did on the last day yes yeah so they started at 1 p.m with panels so the first one was another talk by allison lang who is an amazing journalist freelancer from toronto Yep, and it was super lovely. Yeah, too. and it was called "Gender and Body Horror: A New Paradigm of Terror." Yeah, what did you think of Allison's talk, Lori? Oh, I thought this one was fantastic. I'm a huge lover of body horror and applying gender theory and specifically queer gender theory to aspects of it was just—it's my bread and butter kind of thing. So it was very accessible. Like it was that high-minded rhetoric broken down in a way that was very accessible and easy to understand. And even actionable, you know? Yeah. Like, one of the things that she was asking after the talk was, are there any filmmakers here who include different intersections of oppression in their work? Like, Allison is making the world a better place through analyzing horror films, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that that is very cool. Yeah, this probably my favorite talk. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're really good across the board. I I, I don't have complaints uh, about that 
but this one was, I don't know, my love of body horror is really special. Yeah, she was actually talking about a lot of movies I haven't seen, but I I do know a whole bunch of things I really liked, despite mm-hmm. not seeing the movies. I think I'd only seen, well, Sleep Away, Sleep Away Camp I'd seen, and then I didn't, I oh, and The Fly, but the fly. I haven't seen Hereditary... I haven't seen the new Suspiria. I haven't seen Contracted or Rabbit or In My Skin. But it was still really cool. So yeah, and, and Allison was talking about how there's kind of three dominant narratives when it comes to trans folks. There's representing trans folks as monsters or psychopaths. There's representing them as sexually sexual deviants. And then there's representing them as victims. So... A lot of times in her talk, you can actually see the space where there's room to create better things. Just make a fourth category. Trans person as protagonist. You're good to go. Yeah. Um, I I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, but because uh, she made it abundantly clear, when it came to a lot of trans theory and stuff like that, she felt like maybe she she didn't want to speak for or over communities that she's not part of. So it was sort of done with a colleague who helped guide some of it and uh so like a lot of that stuff um I'm not too sure the balance of quoting versus just her talk but but yeah it was very respectful lots of warnings her colleague's name is Willow McClay thank you so we found out their website's called Body Talk um so you can totally check it out Some of the stuff she showed of Willow's was really awesome and kick-ass. Yeah. So it'll be pretty exciting to go on the website. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, you know, a couple other things that I found really interesting was she said that teeth... um, So teeth actually draws on the fear of castration, not so much the fear of being sexually assaulted, which... Makes it a very male perspective. Male perspective, yeah. yeah. And that also explains why I've never really liked teeth, (laughs) despite the fact that it is hilarious and vagina tentata are very awesome. Yeah. But I I always just feel like a little icky about it. Yeah, there's... um, It's one of those things, I haven't seen that movie in years, but it'd be interesting to rewatch it after Mm. seeing this talk. Um, that's really how I feel about a lot of the movies that got talked about over the panels is there's always these new little ways to sort of look at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another good one was Contracted, where Allison, um, so basically the premise of Contracted is that a girl gets raped and then, um, her body starts decaying, mm-hmm. but Allison was talking about how it didn't really explore so much dealing with the aftermath of rape and, and the horror that's in, that, that happens when you're traumatized. But it was actually more about the horror of contracting an STD or the perils of unprotected sex. It doesn't explicitly look at the way that rape itself yeah. is a horrifying thing. And that feels like such a missed mark. If you're going to include that in your movie, it better be for an important reason. Totally. Something like, yeah, so... I haven't seen it, so I, I can't really speak much about, about it, but from the talk, it sounds... Eh. Yeah, it might be good, but basically, if you're a filmmaker, um, try to maybe make films about the horror of 
like the aftermath of rape, not just yeah. rape, but living with it after, because there are a lot of women out there who live that reality. Yeah. So it should be represented. So what was our next panel? What, what came up after? Yeah, we saw it came from, nope. We saw Feminist Take on Technology and Reproductive Horror by Alana Thane, who was another Canadian. Yeah, there is Canadians. We love you, Alana. So yeah, this one was really good too. It was more of an academic talk because Alana Thane talks at the, uh, uh, teaches at, yeah, McGill and, and this thing called Monstrum. Yeah. Which uh, is like an open access horror movie school. Which sounds really, really, really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, so so even there, there was a lot of interesting stuff to take away. She was she did a thorough analysis of the four alien films, which is hilarious because in my first year of university, I also tried to tackle the subject of that, and I got a C on my paper, and the the comment lacks analysis. <laughs> so I did not know how to write an essay. I did not know what I was supposed to do. And watching this talk, I was like, oh. That's what I was supposed to be thinking about. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was really really neat. We learned a couple things. We learned that apparently just recently it's come out that when you take birth control, the the placebos that, you know, make you bleed are completely unnecessary and not even that great for for uh, you know, people with vaginas um, to be to be bleeding a bit, but the placebos were left actually to appease the Pope because the cycle just sounds more natural and and I guess the makers thought that would win over the Pope. And I just want to go re- on record and say, you know, I don't give a shit what the Pope thinks. I I want you guys to care about me yeah. <laughs> and not the Pope because I'm the one who's taking your products. So yeah. help me out, guys. Yeah, that was a wild revelation. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Oh, another thing that was kind of cool when talking about reproduct- reproductive technologies is that those portable sonograms that you, you know, pregnant ladies can move all over their bellies, they're... They're just part of the increasing surveillance right. in our culture. And Alana mentioned that they actually cause more stress to women than mm-hmm. relief. Right. Because, you know, they're hard to use. You can't find the kid's heartbeat very well. Um, so, yeah. So those sonograms are also maybe not great. Yeah. And it was a very interesting talk. It was very in-depth in how it... Uh, Looked at the movies, and um, yeah, I quite enjoyed it, too. Mm-hmm. She also mentioned this radical feminist, whose name I've completely forgotten, um, who you guys might disagree with at first, who posited that, like, there's nothing inherently good or natural about pregnancy, and that pregnancy actually damages women's bodies over time. It's mm-hmm. not that great for women. You know, it's labor that your body does 24 hours not pregnancy part, but um, not congesting the baby, not digesting the baby. Incubating. Incubating the baby, sure. Baking the baby. Baking the baby. So yeah, it's it's a lot of labor. And, and so that feminist saw 
a real um, revolutionary possibility in what is called, I think, ecto ectogenesis. Ectogenesis. Yeah, which is you know having babies in in like pods and stuff, having them get born in little heated pods. But of course, you know, with new technologies like that, the new technologies themselves aren't necessarily bad, but the way they're used is it can be pretty evil and oppressive. Well, like they pointed to the bio bag, yeah, as a thing. So, like this technology is sort of around in certain ways. But... Yeah, yeah. So the way the bio bag was marketed was it was all about giving you more time while your baby is in the corner growing. But it was specifically about giving you more time to work yeah. and get things done, which is not a version of flourishing that I think most women want. No, this was a... Have your baby in a corner so you can do more work. Very late capitalism, kind of. Oh, yeah. Uh... Yeah. Nasty shit. Yeah. So, overall, panels, they were really good. Mm-hmm. I, I think it made for a really good uh, morning or early afternoon. Totally. Yeah. So after the panels, we had a short film block, which unfortunately I was unable to attend, but you did attend it. Um, so why don't you give a quick little insight into what it was? Mm-hmm. I saw Long in the Tooth, which is a, um, a short series about older women in horror. So that one was so good to see. Mm-hmm especially because it's the first year that they had it, and they had a lot of great shorts. So my favorite one, the, the one I have time to talk to you guys about, is Entropia, which is which was directed by Marina Janello. Entropia was really revolutionary for me for a couple of reasons. I'm going to give it the Best Interior Decorating Award, <laughs> and I'll let you guys know why. The premise is that there's an older lady who wants to regain her youth by using a series of spells, combining the essences of very thing of various things. So she has like butterflies, which have I, I guess a tropical essence, which she wants. Um, she also uh, uses like a young person's blood, which she gets by the very simple method of going to a gas station bathroom and raiding the little garbage that you get in women's bathrooms for the tampons. Yeah, she just, you know, makes a collection and then she's good. Which actually freaks me out. Like, if there's witches out there, they you know they have ready access to those things. But yeah, okay, so she does all these spells and whether or not they work out and there's a good ending or a bad ending, like, you will have to see. But what was actually really revolutionary about this one for me is it was a little explicit, like I mentioned the butterflies. What she ends up doing with them is she puts them up her vagina, and then she sews the lips of her vagina shut. So the essence of the butterflies is inside her. Holy shit. But what was cool is that it showed that. Like, this was the most explicit thing I'd seen in the whole festival, was this close-up of an older lady's vagina and her sewing it shut, right? And... For me, it was amazing because I've actually never seen the vagina of an older woman before, mm-hmm. which is nuts because I'm going to be an older woman, Yeah, you know, and yet you just never, you never see it. I'm pretty sure there's tons of women who grow up and they, they never 
like know what it's gonna look like until they get old and they're like oh that's what it looks like to have gray pubic hair right right so anyways entropia i recommend entropia cool 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 um it sounds like i missed quite the block it was very unfortunate timing um but part of that was due to there was a filmmaker panel immediately following actually sort of cutting into the block a little bit like the block went over time mm-hmm. so there was a filmmaker panel that i was participating in and that was as someone who feels self-conscious a lot of the time that was interesting but it went really smoothly and i, I had a really good time with it yeah it was it was pretty awesome like you made a comment i really like heterosexuality is the biggest oh yeah that was me being a shit disturber um i've said it on this podcast and i thought you know what i I 100 believe this that the biggest cliche in all of cinematic history is heterosexuality Mm -hmm. like full point and i mean in such a cliched way so often yeah the best question on that panel was the question of how did you get the money to make the shorts? Because a lot of these directors, um, you know, they're they're not they definitely weren't paid by a big studio or anything to make this stuff. It's it's this amazing question of when you're not that privileged, how did you make it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a that was a good experience. Uh, I was a bit I'll admit I was a bit nervous at the prospect by the time I arrived here. I was so excited to come to Berlin. It's like, oh, I'm going to be on a panel. That's so cool. And then I got here and it's just like, oh, no, I have to do things. I have obligations now. Yeah, you were kick-ass. Though. Oh, thanks. It's very sweet. So following the filmmaker panel, we had two more shorts blocks. Uh, the first one was... Growing pains. Growing pains. So we, we had older women, now we have younger women. Mm-hmm. And there were some amazing child actors we got to see. So that was really oh, yeah, cool. yeah, that was fantastic. Um, the short that I'm picking to talk about, Caroline from 2018, that one in particular had amazing child actors in it. Like, it, it just seemed so real. And... Uh, so real in a very anxious way. Like, I really liked it. It's a very simple premise of um, kids being locked in a car on a during a heat wave kind of thing, and um, just all the anxiety that produces. Yeah, so if you had to give it an award in your fictional horror festival, what award would you give this one? I would give it best... Oh, I shouldn't give it that. That sounds terrible. I was about to say best sweaty kids. <laughs> no, that sounds bad. Um, best children that make my stomach, like, tighten up. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I like that, you know, on the Queer Horror Cult podcast, we like them sweaty, sweaty kids. <laughs> best sweaty uh. kids. <laughs> well, those kids were very sweaty, unfortunately. And, uh... <laughs> They did a really good job at being sweaty. Yeah. Oh, they were so good. Such good acting in that one. Such good writing. Everything was good. So how about you? Which is your pick? Yeah, my pick is a Canadian pick. It's called Tick. And it's made by Ashley Wessel. And the premise basically is... Oh my god, guys. I just read the description. 
and I didn't understand the movie at all. Did you realize the protagonist was a vampire? I thought they were like a weird tick monster. Wow. Because she had like the weird teeth going like when they're pulling her tick. Yeah. All right. So basically, there's a vampire. She chilling. She chilling with her mom. They're having a great time. Except for an oppressive regime is taking people away. So the oppressive regime comes into their house. This vampire (laughs) is, uh, she hides under the bed and then later, you you know, she, her mom, of course, is captured, but she's surviving and there's, you know, a little bit of violence and gore as she attempts to continue surviving despite the scavengers who are trying to capture people and bring them to whatever horrible fate awaits them. And what award would you bestow upon this film yeah so this one i have to give for the most love uh lovably canadian set yeah that's a great award yeah we saw like some living in tents which as a canadian you're immediately like yeah um there was even there were signs going to thunder bay the protagonist the protagonist's name was nishime nishime Mm -hmm. which you know it's ambiguous and it doesn't really need to be explored, but I, I wonder if that's like an indigenous name. So right. it had this additional level of the history and the place that we call Canada today, but had a different, had many different names originally. Right. And uh, yeah, and I also got to give it props just for having some slow motion action scenes. Oh. I like nothing better than a girl in slow motion about to kill some people. That was fantastic. By drinking the blood. <laughs> oh, it was so good. So yeah, go see Tick. Ashley Wessel, we will find you. We don't know where you are in Canada, but we love your stuff. We will send you a nice card one day. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And uh, so the final short block of the night. Yes. Flesh and Blood. So this one was about family and Mm -hmm. the hells that um, a family create. So I liked Hannah, which was directed by Mei Nakanishi from Japan. And basically, this one follows this college girl. She goes for a part-time job as a babysitter and, you know... Um, she's supposed to be babysitting this four-year-old, but sinister things are happening with the four-year-old. And I'm not going to tell you anything, not going to ruin the twist, but it's hilarious! You guys this need was a fun to see movie. it. Yeah, and what was especially cool was we got to see the director who made it. She came yeah. to the festival. Um, hilariously enough, she, she organizes the Japanese female-centered horror festival, um, and, like, she says that Jap- Japan is very conservative, uh, a lot of male filmmakers and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So her parents actually think that the reason that she's single is because she's making horror movies. <laughs> That's, wow. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, that, if anything, that's just a draw to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Cool. No, Hannah was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. What award would you give it? Best play date. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Very fitting. Um, the movie I'm going to talk about is one of the two-sentence horror stories. It was entitled Ma. And this one was showing a uh, sort of strained relationship 
between uh, a woman and her mother that she's taking care of where the stress is that there there seems to be a lot of um, obligation and uh, pressure to really do right by her mother. Stupid girl! Yeah, yeah, and the mother sometimes says some things that are less than nice. Um, but what really, like, I thought that alone was great, but what really got me was that this one was very, very gay. Very, very gay. There was a lot of gayness. There was a very gay neighbor who was serving some very gay looks, and it was working for me. Oh, yes. Same. Yeah, so a little less sapphic content was great, which is why, why um, the award I'm going to give it is Surprise, You're Gay. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I was going to make a joke, but it's spoilers, mm. so I can't. Just go see two-sentence horror stories, ma. This was a Vera Meow one. I think mm. we've mentioned her before because she had several, and all of them have been kick-ass. Yeah, they've been really fun. Yeah. Had a great time with them. Yeah, but the festival itself had to come to a close with one final viewing. It was the feature film, uh, Hounds of Love. Mm-hmm. So this one was pro- shit. <laughs> produced by Melissa Kelly. So it was produced by a woman. It was directed... And written by a man. Yeah. Um, but, like, because it was produced by a woman, and also because it heavily featured women and yeah. the relationship between two women, it was picked for the festival. Yeah, they said that the, the, the way women are portrayed in this was this very kind of distinct, unique, mm-hmm. almost subversive kind of thing that you don't see tons so that was why it was on the block. Which is true. It was just a well-made movie in all respects. The yeah. writing was amazing. The suspense was killer. Oh, I was... Yeah, I... This is a bleak movie a lot of the time, and it's pretty hard to sit through if you don't know what to expect. Um, lots of content warnings for scenes of sexual violence and stuff like that. But, fuck, is this a good movie. Yeah, so the basic premise is that a couple kidnaps a teenage girl and chains her up to a bed and um you know it's it's her attempt to escape she needs to sort of play mind tricks on the couple and Mm -hmm. and use all of her uh resourcefulness her canniness to get out of the situation is the sort of survival thing part of what appealed to you you know what no because oh okay um i hope to never be kidnapped by a couple and chained to a bed Fair so, enough. hopefully, there is nothing in this movie that will be useful for me in the future. Okay, fair enough. So, that the concept alone is really why it's a hard movie, right? There yeah. are couples like that out there. Mm-hmm. There are horrible women who abduct other women for their husbands to rape and enjoy and whatever. So. Yeah. But somehow, it was still good. So, why yeah. was it good, Lori? Oh, God. Well, one thing that uh, we were talking about with Jupiter that got a bit of a contentious re- reply from other people is uh, it's a very beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that I took that to mean and agree with is it's so well shot. Like the, the camera work, the, the um, color uh, palette, and just the way the movie's cut together and the sound design on top of that is really good. It's a very polished, well-put-together movie. And uh, it's very affecting. Like you said, you were tense on the edge of your seat the whole time. Like, 
any sort of beat of hopefulness really got my hopes up. Any sort of beats of like, oh, things got worse really like gave me that oh no feeling. So I feel like it was very affecting and I liked that about it. When it ended, there was a there was a woman who was sitting next to us who I assumed was crying. So I tried to comfort her, but it was just her glittery makeup shining in the dark. <laughs> So it was that really great moment of me saying, oh, I made you cry. That's good. That means you still have a soul. And she was saying, no, no, I don't have a soul. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty great. Um, uh, what about you? What, what, what did you really like about this movie? The writing was so good. If you are really interested in psychological stuff, if you're one of those true crime freaks out there, you're going to like this. Yeah. Because it's a great window into the mind of of both abused people and abusers. So yeah, go see it. Yeah, and that was Hounds of Love. Hounds of Love. So that's it. That was the festival. That was, uh, I guess the very end thing that happened is after Hounds of Love got out at like, shit, I don't know, one in the morning kind of thing, uh, we went on to have drinks with a couple of the festival goers and one of the directors. So it was a nice little closeout, just sort of talking about what we thought and what we enjoyed. And that was really, that was really nice way to end the night. Yeah, we love you and Ellie and Ellie and Sarah and all the people who made this festival happen. Mm-hmm. It was so, so good. Yeah, yeah. If um, if it's ever possible, I definitely want to come back mm-hmm. to, a, to a Final Girls Berlin Fest. Um, unfortunately, as I think you noted, uh, the one big constraint being geography. Yep. Yeah, kind of a bit of a kick in the teeth on that one, but... Back to Edmonton we go. Yeah. Which is the site of many horrors. So <laughs> it'll be exciting to get back to our ruggedly post-apocalypse uh, city. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, one thing I am definitely looking forward to about getting back uh, is getting right back on the movie train. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. Like, why, why slow down now? So. Yeah. Prep your boobs. We are going to make some more movies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I guess that's a weird phrase. I think that is the best phrase I've I, ever heard. I just meant gird your loins, you know, like a play on that. I didn't yeah. mean like hold on to your boobs. Prep your boobs. Prep your boobs. I love it. Get them ready. Um, cool. So, as you know, uh, as uh, you also have listened to this podcast, we love to end on recommendations. Uh, what movie are you going to recommend? Yeah, so we're going to recommend you guys, you know, the best movie from the festival, in our opinions. And for me, that's Good Manners, again, written and directed by Juliana Rojas and Marco Dutra. And, yeah, you should definitely see that. It's beautiful. Um, I won't tell you it's a really good feeling movie, but there's a lot, there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful moments, and it's about the strength of love, really. Mm -hmm. There's, there's some really good mother stuff, and of course, there is 
a wonderful gay sex scene between two beautiful actresses from Brazil. So, yeah, you can expect a good time. And, of course, you know, it's it's a movie that will teach you things. It's a social and racial allegory on modern day Brazilian society, but it's also just a hell of a romp. Just yeah. a hell of a good it's, time. It's a romp. Romp is a good word yeah. for this movie. Cool. Yeah, so Good Manners should be wildly available. Like, I know that it's even available at the Edmonton Public Library right now. So check your public library. See if they have Good Manners. Cool, cool, cool. Well, the movie I'm recommending I don't think could really be called a romp in as many words. Uh, I'm recommending Tigers Are Not Afraid, directed by Issa Lopez. It's from Mexico, and this was just, like, a really beautiful movie, but really heavy. Like, there was a lot of sadness but to the story, but it was told in this really unconventional, kind of beautiful way. Yeah, I just really loved the imagery of this, and I this might be some of the best child acting I've ever seen. Like, it's up there for sure for just really good performances. So, yeah, I'm going to say go and watch Tigers Are Not Afraid. Try and find a copy. Figure out a way to watch it. It's it's great. Thanks for listening to us, guys. Yeah, it's been fun. We're glad that uh podcast is still doing well. Yep. Yeah. Do you want to sign us off? Sure. Yeah. I definitely know the sign-off. It is keep it sleazy, mm. take it easy. Not no, quite. no, no. It's be easy, but also be sleazy. Got it. <laughs> be easy, but also be sleazy. <laughs> no. All right. Well, thanks again. Should we all say the the ending of the podcast? This the oh, the God, phrase. The yeah. Take, take it easy and keep, keep it, it sleazy. sleazy. Yay. <laughs> you can edit it out, but it did buy heart a lot of.